Welcome back to uh, to the Balm and Gilead podcast. This is uh, a very special episode that we're that we're doing today. This is we're straying completely away from uh, from our outline. We're also not talking about like a current event in the uh, in the musical world uh, today. Uh, we're actually going to talk about. Uh, something very, very close to, to me personally. Um, in earlier episodes, I, I talked about uh, my daughter Kit, how she was at the hospital and uh, we were waiting for her to have her surgery. And, um, and that put a delay in some of the release of the episodes. And, and we, we talked about that earlier, but I um, just wanted to give an update on her and uh, she had the surgery uh, a week or so ago, and uh, and due to complications, shortly afterwards she she passed. And uh, I wanted to do an episode today uh, in memory of of her, and I just wanted to talk a lot about uh, the journey that that I had. Uh, and uh, Grant is here with me. I'm I'm not just hello talking to myself, but, uh, I, I did want to just kind of give, give that introduction. You, you, you may have noticed that the song was different. It was, a it's kind of a, a funeral dirge version of, uh, of how great thou art. And, uh, that was a song that, that we played at her funeral. So I, I wanted to honor her by, by playing that, uh, Grant played the violin beautifully and, uh, and, I'm, I'm very thankful that he was able to do that. Um, but first, I, I, I wanted to talk about uh, I wanted to talk about something that happened uh, a little more than a year ago. Um, when I was still in Arkansas, I was a uh, I was a music minister at a church plant, and I had my music team go through an exercise. We were going to uh, listen through some songs, either that are on the radio or that we just knew, and we were going to pick five songs each that we felt like our church could do. Uh, we were also going to pick five songs that ministered to us as individuals that we that we did not plan on on doing at church. Essentially five type one songs and five type two songs though i wasn't using that vocabulary yet and uh, as i was listening uh, through some songs doing this challenge for myself uh, i came across a song that that really it really spoke to me it was uh, it was called um, in the eye of the storm by ryan stevenson uh, and in the specifically the radio edit version of this song um in the third verse, there's a line that says, uh, when they let me go and I just don't know how I'm going to make ends meet. I did my best and I'm scared to death that we might lose everything. And when a sickness takes a child away and there's nothing I can do, my only hope is to trust in you. And, uh, I just remember hearing that and just thinking, man, that is just, that is so raw. That is just so um, I mean, that is so personal to someone, and I can see that that song could mean so much to someone. It was just, it was said very eloquently. It was said 
just very openly and, and, and it just really struck me. And, um, and I didn't know that within just a, f- uh, just a couple months, the first part of that story would be my story. I was, uh, I was let go from my work. Not, not long after I heard that song. And so they let me go and I didn't know how I was going to make ends meet. And that song just really meant a lot to me in that time. And, uh, and as you can imagine now, I, I have carried that song with me, uh, for a long time. Um, I was unemployed for six weeks and I knew I was going to be unemployed for six weeks prior to that. So for three months, I looked for a job and I finally found one at Chick-fil-A, five hours north of where I was living. So I moved uh, a month before my family did. So for a month, I was by myself living with my sister-in-law and brother-in-law and uh, just working at Chick-fil-A, waiting for closing of a house, uh, selling in Arkansas, closing for a house, buying in Missouri. And the day before we closed in those houses, we found out that my wife was pregnant. Uh, so for, for 20 weeks, we were very excited. We were planning um, on introducing our fifth child to our four uh, older girls. And we didn't know if it was going to be a boy, didn't know if it was going to be a girl. And, and I remember even telling people when they asked, do you want a boy? I'm sure you want a boy, don't you? And my answer would always be, uh, you know, I just want a healthy child. I, I would just be happy. Uh, I'd be happy with a healthy child. And uh, at the 20-week ultrasound, we found out that we weren't getting that healthy child. And that song meant more to me then. I found out that my little girl had a sickness that could very easily take her away from me. And I, and I didn't know what I would do if, if that were the case. And, and I carried that song with me. Um, as I did, um, I, I learned more songs or I became more familiar with more songs that would join that one as I carried, uh, as I carried it with me. Um, I'd say one of the most interesting things uh, a few days before we had the 20-week ultrasound, um, I got an email from my favorite band, Switchfoot. They had been releasing some of their songs from their upcoming album, like one at a time, and I hadn't uh, I hadn't opened up their, their latest email yet. They had been sitting in my inbox for a few days. Uh, new song, hadn't heard it yet. And after hearing the diagnosis... Um, I opened it and I listened to it and it was a song called let it happen and the chorus of this song it said let it happen let it happen Um, I don't know what the future holds but I know you are my future and that song just really really hit home Um, the song is just about uncertainty in life it's about facing a difficult future and just trusting in God wholeheartedly with that future. And 
man, that, that song just really, really, uh, really hit home to me. And, 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 and my wife as well, when, when she heard it, 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 it just kind of became our anthem for maybe three short days until their album finally released. And we replaced that anthem with a new one. Um, there's a song on their album. It released about three days after we got all of this news. And the opening of the song, it says, um, it says, um, everything fell to pieces when my eyes met yours in that hospital gown. And the dreams we once were dreaming that we held so close felt impossible now. And all the plans we held for the future and all the memories up from the past. The world that I once knew was in a cardboard box in the lobby lost and found. And hallelujah, nevertheless, was the song the pain couldn't destroy. Hallelujah, nevertheless, you're my joy invincible, my joy invincible joy. And uh, I, I believe wholeheartedly that God does uh, in his in his uh, perfect timing reveals things to us individually this this song is not authoritative with a capital a it is not inspired with a capital i but um, john foreman had some reason to sing this song some personal reason but god in his perfection chose to bring that song to me when i needed it and uh and, and I and I thank him greatly for that. You know this this song. It's a it's a type two song. It's not a worship song. It's not a song meant to really um, bring the church together. It, it is a very deep personal song, but it has given me the words. It gave me words to 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 say to God um, when I didn't have them, and that was Hallelujah, nevertheless. And uh, I'm actually, I plan on getting those words tattooed to my arm in memory of, of Kit. And uh, actually, the, a friend of mine, uh, David McCookie, his wife, actually designed the tattoo for me uh, because I did the theme song for uh, The Lightest Form of Flogging. So thank you again, uh, Sarah, for for designing that it was it, it's really cool and I can't wait to get it on my arm as soon as I can find the time uh, yeah these those two songs uh, by Switchfoot were just two of many songs on that album that really ministered to me during during the time especially initially right as we got that diagnosis you know we uh, we we mourned for the for the girl that we wished we had for the for the healthy child that we were expecting you know we, we mourned that that loss for uh, for a very long time and um, we resigned ourselves to knowing that our little girl was going to have a hard life she was going to uh, she was going to have an, an open heart surgery when she was six months old she was going to have a genetic condition that was going to hold her back most of her life. And that with that condition, it was going to uh, come with a lot of unknowns. Uh, there were, there are a 
a couple hundred different possibilities of symptoms that come with this genetic condition called 22q11.2 deletion syndrome it's um and each child with this condition has different symptoms i think there's even identical twins with it that have different symptoms and uh so we were we we resigned ourselves to that uh, in those in those early days for the for the 19 weeks after the ultrasound until her scheduled induction um we just prayed for a healthy baby we just, we prayed that she would be born pink we prayed that her oxygen levels would be high we prayed um that she would not come early. We we prayed that my wife would not be in too much discomfort with something called polyhydramnios, which means that she was carrying a, the fluid um, for two babies instead of just one. Um, you know, she was. Uh, we we just prayed so many things, and at the time that Kit was born, every one of those prayer requests was became true. God took care of Kit in that 19 weeks and uh, she actually scored a nine on her apgar which is the the test that they test all babies based on how they look clinically and 10 is the highest you can get and no baby ever gets 10. Um, so if we had not known about the genetic condition or the heart condition um, they would have probably sent us home and she would have probably died uh, almost immediately and god took care of her and we had hope that he was going to continue to take care of her, that she was going to, um, that she was going to thrive as best as she could. And uh, there were there are two songs during this time on the radio that really really ministered to me as well. Um, I, they both had me at different times weeping as I drove to work. One. Uh, was called Thy Will by Hilary Scott. And, um, this is a song, It's a, the narrative of the song is that she felt like she was following God's will for her life. She felt like she knew what he wanted and that she was pursuing it, but that uh, her dreams fell short. And she questioned whether uh, she was following God's will or, or why God would, would have her go through these trials. And, and she rests with, just four words, and that was "Thy will be done." And it's it's just a song about resolution, about trusting in God, no matter what the, the circumstances look like. That God's will is the best for our lives, even when it differs from our own will, and we don't understand why. Uh, the other song was called um, "Held by Casting Crowns." And uh, this song, and, and the chorus in that song, it says, um, um, when you're on your knees and answers seem so far away, you're not alone. Stop holding on and just be held. Your world's not falling apart. It's falling into place. He's on the throne. Stop holding on and just be held. Uh, there's, another, there's another line, or I think in the second verse, it says, if your eyes are on the storm, uh, and you may help me with this, Grant. You've got that. You've got it pulled up. Yeah, I got it right here. Yeah. If your eyes are on the storm, you'll wonder if I love you still. 
But if your eyes are on the cross, you'll know I always have and I always will. And and that line, that line for me, if your eyes are on the cross, you know, you'll know uh, you're always loved and I love you still. I mean, I just, I, that was so helpful for me to keep my eyes fixed on the cross, to not focus so much on the storm, but to focus on, on the cross and to focus on on God's promises and God's faithfulness. And uh, and those those songs really really helped um, processing just a lot of the unknown. Um, Kit was in the NICU for 17 days, and every day we were just hoping, can we come home tomorrow? Can we come home tomorrow? And they seemed, it seemed like so long. It was only two and a half weeks, but it felt like months. And when she finally came home, she was home for six weeks. And they felt like days. It wasn't enough time. Mm-hmm. And um, she caught a cold and um, had to go to the hospital. Um, her lungs couldn't handle just the simplest of viruses. The doctors told us that we'd be there for maybe five to seven days, and those five to seven days turned into five to seven weeks. And we thought we were on our way home. It was just about um, just about the seven-week mark, I think. She had a great day. She was sitting up. She was gooing at people. She was doing tummy time. She just looked great. And the doctor said, I really want to send her home but her numbers just don't add up and I just don't feel comfortable right now sending her home. And that night her carbon dioxide levels bottomed out and she had to be rushed back to the intensive care uh, uh, section of the hall and she had to be reintubated. And, um, and we started the process of, you know, what do we do now? Um, we were planning on taking her to, um, we were planning on taking her to San Francisco to have uh, her open heart surgery. There's a specialist there who invented the surgery, who is very well respected, and um, and we were planning on going there, but with this uh, new intubation and uh, just this inability to come off of of the vent we knew that she wasn't going to be able to travel and we spoke with the surgeon at uh, locally at St. Louis Children's and we felt very confident after speaking with him that he could do the surgery he had studied under the surgeon in San Francisco he was a in a lot of ways he was a rock star in his own right he had performed a double lung and heart transplant on a four-year-old um, a couple years earlier and she's been thriving um, and she actually has the exact same genetic condition that Kit had mm-hmm. and uh, and so we knew that we felt very confident in him as, as a surgeon uh, we had about three weeks before she could have the surgery at that point in time and um, before we could even like start to to really plan that and um the hope was during that three weeks if she could just gain a little bit of weight if she could get off the vent 
and she would be going into the surgery at, in really good standing. Uh, she weighed at the time about 5.6 kilograms, which is uh, 11 to 12 pounds. Um, and they really wanted her to get to 6 kilograms. She was so close. She was 0.4 kilograms away from that. And she, um, she pretty quickly got up to 5.8. And we looked, we, we felt really good about that. And then she went back to 5.6. Then she went back to 5.8 and back to 5.6. And she just continued to stay in that uh, 5.8 to 5.6 range. So she did not gain the weight that she needed. Um, also, she did not come down on the vent at all. In fact, she went up. She got worse on the vent. They were thinking that her heart anatomy was actually wrapping around part of her lung, keeping her lung from being able to open up completely. And that if they could just uh, fix her heart and change that heart anatomy that that would be enough to fix the lung. But when they did further uh, diagnostic tests with a with a heart cath, they found that there was no heart anatomy holding her lung down. Her lung was bad. Um, and ultimately, we found out later um, she would probably need to have a a double lung and heart transplant, just like that other little girl. The problem was she only had one kidney, and that was going to keep her from being a candidate. And so we were looking at that time that even if she had survived the surgery, she was probably looking at a four-year four life before her lungs were going to give out. Um, and so this was, this was really hard. And, and we learned all this the day before her surgery. So we're learning a lot of this right before we're going into the surgery and a lot of this has just been me reflecting on it over the past week um, and um, we see today is today is Tuesday and so we actually we as we we're recording this we we buried her a week ago uh, a week ago yesterday and so this is still still very fresh um, but I wanted to say that there were you know, during the time that she was at home, we had to feed her every three hours. And in order to remember to do that, we, we kept an alarm on, on my wife's phone. And she had the the song, We Will Feast in the House of Zion from Sandra McCracken as her alarm tone for that. Because one, it was just a song that meant a lot to her. And two, it's kind of funny because it's We Will Feast, so it's time to feed her. And uh, so that was a song that we sang a lot at our house during during this time. We sing it a lot at church as well. And um, it's a song that we sang to her a lot when she was in the hospital. Um, it's also one that we did at her funeral. And and uh, uh, it says in the in the dark of night before the dawn, my soul be not afraid. For the promised morning, oh, how long? Oh, God of Jacob, be my strength. Mm -hmm. And that is that is something that we, my wife and I, will, we will carry with us the rest of our lives. Um, that is a song of comfort to us. Uh, that is a song of remembrance to us. And, um, and yeah, we, we will... We look forward to the day where we can feast in the house of Zion with, with Kit.
um, in her last days when she when uh, she had the surgery and very shortly after the surgery very shortly after it was a it was like a 12 hour surgery um, she did not come back to her room until about 1 a.m. That was after, uh, and so it was 12 hours of actual surgery plus prep plus post. And uh, so she came back to her room around 1 a.m. And that was when we were, um, or I guess settled in the room. We came back at that time and we're just with her. And it was like three hours later at 4 a.m. They had to put her on life support, which is not uncommon. Um, the idea was if we can put her on life support, that will give her heart and her lungs some time to rest while they heal. And then we can take her off the life support while after they're healed. Uh, her kidney was not, um, it was not processing the liquid that for all the fluid that they had to give her as quickly as it was supposed to. And as a result, they decided to put her on dialysis. And we knew when they did that, that that was a very bad sign. They, they told us we want to avoid dialysis, but they were not able to avoid that. And so we kind of knew at that point that, um, that it was, it was probably going to be very bad. Um, we, our, our, our best hope at this point was that after the dialysis, they could, um, slowly take her off of different things. Uh, if she could come off the dialysis, then she could come off the life support later. She might have to stay on it longer than anticipated. And if her heart and lungs can heal, then we will deal with her kidney. We will deal with her liver, which was not doing well at that time. And um, we would deal with her pain management, which had been another, another major issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we were just hoping that she could just get past these little, these, these, not little, these massive hurdles one at a time. And we were, we were uh, expecting to be in the hospital maybe a year with her recovering from this hospital, from this, from this open heart surgery. Um, but the next morning, um, she suffered a stroke and, um, it was due to, uh, her blood was not wanting to clot. They were having a lot of trouble getting her blood to clot. And they would give her product and it would start clotting right and then it would immediately stop. And as a result, she bled in her brain and that caused her to have a stroke and it caused her to have subsequent seizures. And it was not long at all before she wasn't kid anymore. Um, she had no hope of coming off. And any hope that she had, she was going to be... Um, she was going to be severely disabled if if she could even do anything. I mean, if, if she would probably have no personality. And um, and so we decided to, to take her off of life support. And there was a song, another song that we would do at church that I just kept singing over and over in my head. It was a song that's not even one that I... Uh, that are really connected with that church. And it's not one that I sing very often at all, but I feel like God is giving me these words, familiar words uh, to help me in this exact moment. It was um, here on calling your name, 
See the depth of his love and the wounds of his grace. Hear him calling your name. Hide away. And um, and that that song just meant that song meant a lot to me in that moment. And that's another one that I'm going to take with me for a long time. And um, and that's another one that we did at her funeral. And um, that song is by uh, Stephen Vicky Cook of Sovereign Grace. Um, and so I just I wanted to share those those songs with you. It was. It was seven songs, not meant to be seven as the perfect number. They were just the ones that that ministered to me. Um, and I have not yet heard Eye of the Storm come on the radio, but I know when it does, it's it's gonna hit hard. Um, it's one that I will that I will cherish because that story is now completely mine because the sickness has taken my child away. And the only thing that I can do is to trust, to trust in Jesus. Yeah. And uh, and I do. I, I do appreciate that these songs have been written, and I do appreciate that these people have faithfully, um, have faithfully spoken the truth of the gospel uh, artistically through these songs, um, so that they could minister to me at very specific times. And, and I've said I've said this before that it is not. The songs themselves that minister to you. It is the truth found in the scripture alone that really truly ministers to me. But these songs very eloquently pull those truths out and bring them to life in a specific context that specifically meant something to me in those moments. And um, and I and I do I do thank God for for giving those to me in those times. And uh, so that was that was the the short life of my Kathleen Felicity Emerson. Her her name means pure joy. And um, and especially when that when that Switchfoot song hit, we we had decided pure joy is what we will remember her as, and that song was called Joy Invincible. And. Uh, that just hit home even more because it was her name. And uh, I know that God is good. I know that his will is perfect. And though I don't understand why, I don't understand why he answered every prayer for her delivery, but she died. Uh, I don't understand. And I know that I, and I know that I never will, but I trust him, and uh, and I hold the truth of Scripture found in these songs dear to me. Yes. So yeah, I wanted to I wanted to share this story with you guys. Um, I know that many of you have been praying for us already, and I know that. Um, Many of you are already familiar with some of the details of this story, um, but I, I wanted to to share it with you, and uh, just to thank you for your prayers and thank you uh, for the food that has been sent to us and for the <laughs> the random care packages from people that have just found us on the internet. And I wanted to. Uh, there's a local radio station that allowed me to to share Kit's story. I actually went and recorded. 
just this short little version of the story on the local Christian radio station the day before she went to the hospital. Uh, we had family pictures made. And then I left that and I went to the radio station. And the next day she went to the hospital and she never came home. Mm-hmm. And so we have those pictures, those perfect pictures. And we have that story. And there's so many people locally that have heard that story on the radio and that said, you know, you're you're the guy from you're the guy from the radio. I've I've heard your story. People at the hospital, people at work that I work with, people at work that just come to eat. Uh, there was one lady who actually came to the store to ask me if I was the guy on the radio, wow. and um, and there's just been lots and lots of prayer, lots and lots of of um, just people that have been touched by this story, and I and I know that that God has something for that. And uh, and I hope that he shows it to me this side of heaven, but I know that at least I have uh, I have hope to know it in the future. So uh, so I don't have anything clever to say, and I just wanted to uh, just end this by by just saying thank you to uh, to everyone who's prayed, and please just continue to lift us up in prayer and. And to especially pray for my wife and for my kids as they uh, as they grieve and as they even my kids as they try to understand what's going on.